This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And today, Josh and I are talking with Corey Poaches, CEO and co-founder of Motive CBD. Early on, we spent some time talking about Corey's entrepreneurial journey and how he has always had entrepreneurship in the back of his mind. I knew I had to kind of be handcuffed, if you would, in, in what I would call the corporate world for a little bit before taking the jump to entrepreneurship. But even though I already had it always in the back of my mind, I thought I was wanted to be a big agency guy in the sports world and moved to New York and was like, oh my God, get me out of here. I'm a Midwest guy to the core. Get me back to Ohio, which I never thought I would do. Big agency guy, you know, does not lend well to entrepreneurship. You know, you've really quickly found that you were just another guy in the room and kind of a number. That was really when I knew, okay, I need to be in kind of a smaller environment. I want to make an impact across the business from day one. Later, we talk about the challenges of working in a new unregulated field like medical marijuana and CBD here in Ohio and how Corey and his team are focusing on finding their niche in medicine. It's hard to put your arms around right now the space and hemp because there's not a lot of regulation. So when people are out there just extracting this and that, mm -hmm. it's hard because we have to kind of reel people back in because those are some of the tough conversations we have. It's like, you know, who's out there in their garage just extracting this stuff, throwing it on a shelf at 7-Eleven and saying it's CBD and then it works where we're really pivoting really hard towards that medical space where people are asking the right questions and the tough questions and we have to be prepared to answer that. Ignore the noise and the rest of the industry. Finally, we wrap up with Corey's answer to our classic question, what it means to him to live uncomfortably. You've got to live uncomfortably to get to the right place. I've realized that like I've got to probably spend 70% of the time doing what I don't want to do right now on the business side as we build it. Managing people is extremely difficult. That's uncomfortable, especially in the world we live in now and managing different personalities and analyzing yourself and judging yourself and kind of grading yourself at the end of each day. And that's really, really hard to do and really uncomfortable, but so important. Josh and I had a great time talking with Corey and getting the chance to learn from his experiences. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on so you won't miss any other interviews with founders and leaders from across Columbus. That's it for me today. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here, and it is Josh and I in the booth today. Josh, what's going on? Not too much, man. Happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday. It was uh, I kind of screwed up today. Josh is smiling at me, but I have a feeling he's at the core of his soul. He is very irritated with me. So we'll see how many insults I get today on the show. Dude, what's your weight? We haven't checked in uh, in a while. Oh, wait. Yeah, 155. 155. Dang. Is um, that the lowest it's been? In a long time, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm down 13 pounds from peak fatness, but it's uh, been a good ride. I traveling, I haven't lost weight in the last like three weeks. I've been 155 for like three weeks because traveling really makes it hard to stick to your diet plan, but that's an excuse, not a good one. That being said though, that's enough about my weight. Maybe we can talk about it. It's our a good guests. transition, dude. It's yeah. health, right? We're, we're, right. Talking we're talking about, about health. Talking about health to some extent today. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And so today on the show, we've got Corey Poches joining us. And Corey is the founder and CEO of Motive CBD, as well as the managing partner of Verdant Creations. Corey and his wife, Kelly Hondros, founded Motive CBD in 2018. And they were outsourcing their hemp until it became legal to grow for medical marijuana in Ohio in 2019. After that, they began growing their own hemp at Kelly's Family's Farms to source their own product. They have become industry leaders traveling across the world to different trade shows and events, and their business continues to grow with a focus on sourcing their own products to ensure safe, healthy brands for their customers. So we're really excited to talk with Corey today about their success and the future of Motive CBD. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Corey. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for it. joining us late on a Monday night for a podcast recording and uh, excited to learn a little more about you and kind of what you guys are doing. But first place we like to start is just get a little background on yourself, kind of all the way back as far as, hey, have you always lived in Columbus? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in a small town, Athens, Ohio. A lot of people familiar. I'm uh, what they call a double bobcat. So I did my undergrad and grad school down at OU. I spent way too many nights on the streets of Athens, all the way from high school to college to grad school and everything else. So spent time down there, left Athens and moved to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Worked in Cleveland for a brief period of time, moved to Columbus and then left Columbus, went to New York for another brief period of time, moved back to Cincinnati and then back to Columbus. So I've been in all three big C's, as they call it, in Ohio. Back in Columbus, don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. Love it here. Couldn't be happier where we're at with the city and everything that's got going on. So you get out of undergrad, or actually your master's, and then you start making those different jumps and go from Cleveland, New York City. Mm-hmm. Were you chasing entrepreneurship that whole time or were you exploring different paths? Yeah, in the back of my head, definitely was. Um, I don't think outwardly. I think I knew I wanted to do it all along. I think I come from a small family, small town. The first person in my family to go to college So definitely the path wasn't, my mom really raised me and the path wasn't necessarily there for me, meaning an understanding of it, where to start from a funding perspective, from anything else, right? So I knew I had to kind of be handcuffed, if you would, in in what I would call the corporate world for a little bit before taking the jump to entrepreneurship. But even though I already had it always in the back of my mind. Funny enough, I thought I was wanting to be a big agency guy in the sports world and moved to New York, did that whole thing and was like, oh my God, get me out of here. I'm a Midwest guy to the core. Get me back to Ohio, which I never thought I would do. And also big agency guy, you know, does not lend well to entrepreneurship. You know, you've really quickly found that you were just another guy in the room and kind of a number in a New York big agency and the sports marketing side of the business, which I spent 10 years doing. That was really when I knew, okay, I need to be in kind of a smaller environment. I want to make an impact across the business from day one and be in those types of conversations. So that really sparked that entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, and said, I'm done with kind of big agency world, big corporate world, bring on something a little smaller and let me kind of run from there. So you're in the heart of New York City when you're in there? I spent some time in Connecticut and then, uh, yeah, also on the Lower East Side. Again, a little bit of culture shock, which I thought I was pretty cultured. I was fortunate in college to have some interns. I actually lived up there during an internship. I lived in a Doubletree hotel for three months <laughs> in college, my junior year interning up in Stanford, Connecticut and spent some time in the city. But yeah, I was like, get me out of here. I want to see some woods and like go on a drive. So mm-hmm. really brought back my Midwest roots for sure. <laughs> yeah. New York City's cool for me for about six hours and then I think I'm over it. I'm ready to get out and it's just too many people and there's too much going on. It's like, (laughs) I could see it being cool if you did live there and you weren't trying to get around and everything's within like three blocks, but it's like trying to go there and actually get stuff done is mind-bogglingly difficult. Yeah, it's exhausting. Right. I mean, even going from point A to point B is like a job in itself. So I was like, no, thanks. What you guys are talking about is, you know, you hear all the time, well, on the East Coast, it's different. Everybody's angry all the time and moving quickly and nobody has time for anybody else. Like there's no, hey, how you doing? It's just get out of my way. But I think you kind of have to be that way to get around New York City. Otherwise, you'd literally never get anywhere. Yeah. If people spent time talking to each other in New York City, you would never be able to move. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be stuck. stay yeah. there <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. There are some Pure nice people, though. Like, luck. we got lost. I was there for work recently and we were like just getting lost and somebody in the subway reached out and overheard the conversation and directed us. You know, it's like not like everybody over there is an asshole. It's just, you know, people are there to get shit done and move on. Yeah. Which completely respect. And I'm a little bit like that, but I realized like need the 
time away from that to mm-hmm. survive, right? Like I'm like that during the day drives a lot of people crazy, to be honest, but I needed the escape and I realized yeah. the escape just wasn't there in that environment. So. so you get back to some wooded areas. Do you come back to Columbus or do you go back to Cleveland? No, or? came back to Columbus and have not left since. So I think that was 2015, 2017. I can't remember exactly the year, but. And then when do you jump in entrepreneurship? So I would call it a kind of one foot in, one foot out. I was a part of some small agencies in Cincinnati and then also here in Columbus. And even though it wasn't like, hey, this is my business, it was very much kind of the entrepreneur play, right? It was a small team. Everybody does a little bit of everything. You know, it's the working 80 hours a week type of deal and trying to figure it all out from there. When I truly jumped into entrepreneurship is when Kelly and I, my wife met, funny story. So her dad and mom, lifelong entrepreneurs and very successful and what they've done and built here in the city and several other places. But we joke that I think I bonded more with her dad than I did her at first, just because uh, he jokes that he told Kelly like three weeks into us dating, like, hey, I've got to have him, like bring him onto the team. And she was like, hey, give us at least six months to like figure this out on our own. And then I wouldn't be where I'm at today without him. And he's the type of guy where he was like, look, I've been the idea guy for a long time. You know, I've been the idea guy. I've been figure it out guy. Like I need somebody else to like pass the baton to. And I'm certainly not the only one. It's the whole family. It's Kelly. It's everybody else. But I need somebody else to bring me ideas and concepts and opportunities. And that's when my eyes lit up to say, hey, I think, you know, I'm in the right spot and have had the opportunity to do that with a lot of different things. And it's been exciting. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. So where does Motive CBD come into the picture and why CBD? Yeah. So medical marijuana was kind of the first step. Mm -hmm. So Linda Hondros, my mother-in-law, she's on the board of Ohio Health. She headed up the Ohio Chamber for a while. And when the medical marijuana bill was being put into place, she was asked by the governor at the time to be on that task force and was like, you know what? No, thank you. Never seen marijuana in my life. Don't want anything to do with it. Like, I'm not into this. And he was like, you know what? Sit through the 14 sessions of testimony at the state house and like, tell us what you think and like represent the small business community. Right. So she did that and then really came back. And after listening to cancer patients, you know, kids with debilitating diseases, veterans with PTSD, all these types of things said, hey, there's room for this. And if we're going to be good stewards of business in the state of Ohio, let's do this. So fast forward, they got awarded five dispensary licenses. So five out of the 56, uh, which was the max amount that one ownership group was able to have. That's when a firm I was involved with here in town, we went through an acquisition and I said I was reporting to an old white guy in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was driving there three days a week and it was like, you know, the chase is kind of over, right? Like what's next? And that's when I had the opportunity to jump over to kind of the family business. And my first kind of role in what I would call the entrepreneurship piece was, hey, we don't know anything about medical marijuana. Go figure this out. Travel across the world. I went to Israel, Canada, all over the US and like get your quick like MBA and how the heck to run a dispensary and jumped on board and basically operationalized five dispensaries. So crazy timing. We uh, had Teddy, our first son, August 23rd of 2019. We launched Motive September 4th of 2019 to the public. And then we opened four of the five dispensaries in four and a half weeks in October of that year. And then 
you know, holidays and then COVID yeah. and everything else. And then else, this right? thing so, happened. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, so that was the real start. And then as with a lot of the things we do, it was, I was being challenged to really look at everything from a 50,000 foot view and say, what else are we going to get involved with in this business? And brought a business plan to the family board and said, I think there's a spot in CBD. Number one, we're utilizing it as a family. We're very active. We hunt, fish, scuba dive, hike, you know, travel all over the world and have been fortunate enough to do that. We were utilizing it. My father-in-law has prostate cancer. My mother-in-law had two knee surgeries. My wife's a former college athlete and we're utilizing it, you know, aches and pains all over trying to keep up with folks and brought the business plan to the family and said, Hey, here's what I think we should do. And from that, it was like, okay, figure it out from here. I was telling Josh earlier, I knew nothing about CPG. I knew nothing about retail. So it was a interesting jump in and made a lot of mistakes, but I think that's what entrepreneurship is, right? So Mm -hmm. we did that and that's kind of how Motive was born. So we worked on the concept itself from what I would call like registering the business to brand concept okay, what products, product development, all those types of things for probably eight months. And now looking back, like I rushed, 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 rushed into like launching this thing, right? It was like, that was the day you kind of want. Now I'm like, should we even be launched (laughs) today sometimes, right? Which we've come a long way and certainly the case now, but that was kind of the dive in and a lot of things have changed since then, but. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go too far into the weeds on the manufacturing side, because I think the conversation is more about just the overall growth of the company and long-term trajectory. But I am curious when it comes to manufacturing the CBD product and the fact that you guys are already working with the plant holistically, is it to the point of maximizing the plant and then getting everything you can out of it? So that's why a CBD product makes sense. Or is it like total strategy pivot, we're either going all in on THC products or are we going in on CBD products? Yeah. So completely different. We always like to make sure we draw a big line in the sand, very thick line in the sand in terms of difference between the two businesses, because the medical marijuana we utilize on that side of the business is completely separate from what we do with the CBD, right? So as you guys mentioned, we were outsourcing all that to start, but we started growing actual hemp plants. So I was like, you know, if you put a hemp plant and a marijuana plant side by side, they look the same, smell the same, you know, people would think they're weed, but very much different from a scientific makeup perspective. We actually extract the CBD itself, just one cannabinoid, if you will, out of that plant and utilize that in our products. The medical marijuana side of it's actually completely separate, completely different plants. So I wish we could do more. And I, we are looking at more ways on the industrial side of the business to, like you said, Josh, utilize the entire plant because we are just using like the flower of the plant right now and not anything else. So there's all kinds of opportunities, kind of large scale to look at how are you utilizing the entire plant to make this happen? So mm-hmm. does that answer your question? I know that. Yeah, it does. It was kind of a convoluted, shitty question the way I worded it, but you you nailed it. And I think it gets confusing for me too, because just kind of hanging on the outskirts of the space for a little bit over the last year, the idea of like all these Delta variants that go into it and the fact that now they can extract THC, it sounds like from a hemp plant and it's kind of wild. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we kind of cringe when that stuff happens because like we thrive in highly regulated industries, right? Like real estate, you know, education, where you have a background check business, we have a Wagyu beef business, medical marijuana, all these types of different things. And it's hard to put your arms around right now the space and hemp because there's not a lot of regulation. So when people are out there just extracting this and that, Mm -hmm. it's hard because we have to kind of reel people back in because those are some of the tough conversations we have. It's like, you know, who's out there in their garage just extracting this stuff, throwing it on a shelf at 7-Eleven and saying it's CBD and then it works where we're really pivoting really hard towards that medical space where people are asking the right questions and the tough questions and we have to be prepared to answer that. So we want to try to do it the right way and kind of ignore the noise in the rest of the industry. So I guess prior to the legalization of 
medical marijuana, you guys were sourcing your product from other vendors, right? Like you had to go to other people to get the CBD oil or mm-hmm. whatever you were sourcing. So how did that transition change the business for you? And was it difficult to get that manufacturing process up off the ground? Yeah. So it's weird because 2020 was the first year you were actually legally allowed to grow hemp in the state of Ohio. 2019 is when we launched. And obviously we had to have product for mm-hmm. that time. So as you said, we were outsourcing all of that and you know different partners and honestly just private labeling product and really became a brand thing. But then when 2020 hit and we had the opportunity to grow it all of ourselves, you know, we have a farming infrastructure within the family of companies. So it was really helpful. Like I always tell people like we didn't go out and buy like a combine and a bunch of land and farming equipment and just like pick up some shovels and say, hey, figure this out. We had a farming infrastructure that like helped that process along. That being said, and not to discount what our farm team does by any means, but, you know, growing crops like corn, soybeans, things like that have come a long way to where hemp is still a whole different world and very much kind of old school to where like we are very much taking care of every single one of those plants. I think the first year we grew 12,000 plants on six acres of land. And like when I say 12,000 plants, it's like you have 12,000 babies like we're taking care of. This is definitely not like a throw it in the ground and watch it grow type of thing. So we learned quickly like, oh, wow, this is a lot of hard work. We also learned quickly that 12,000 plants will take you a long way (laughs) and have kind of maximized and took the lessons more approach beyond that. And then from a manufacturing perspective, we really tried to say, we're not going to try to figure this out on our own. We're going to go find the right partners and invest in their business because they know what they're doing. Like manufacturing from the ground up, certainly not the way we wanted to approach it. So we've done a good job of kind of finding those partners, investing in their business to really come in full scale and then grow it from there. So that was helpful. And then talk about your go-to-market strategy and how you guys have differed a little bit going after medical practitioners and really focusing on the quality of the product and how you're approaching things differently. Yeah. So when we started, it was very much active lifestyle. You know, we wanted to sell in Dick Sporting Goods, golf shops, yoga shops, gyms, you know, around the city. That was a space that I felt like I knew a little bit coming from the sports background, the athletic background on the business side. Quickly realized that that wasn't the case and also quickly realized that like not only was the CBD space oversaturated, COVID was a thing in that kind of mix as well. But the retail game in general was just like, hey, this is not something we're experts in and was very daunting in terms from the family business side of things. But we also started to realize and understand our customer a lot more, right? And, you know, entrepreneurship business, it's all about understanding your customer, of course. And we started to realize quickly, like our true customer is the 65-year-old orthopedic patient that's just in pain, that has aches and pains. They've tried surgery. They don't want opioids. Physical therapy doesn't work. Like what else? And then it was like, hey, that light bulb of like the doctors are the ones that you trust what your doctor says, right? And what they're doing. CBD patients are coming to their doctors and asking about it. And I went to events all over the country and we would show up as a brand, whether we were exhibiting or not. There's like thousands of brands everywhere. People are spending way more money than we are to kind of come in and take over the market. And then I started going to medical events and like CBD wasn't anywhere, but doctors on the side were like, yeah, this is intriguing. Something's here. Oh, by the way, our patients are asking about it. We're not quite sure if it's there yet in terms of research and everything else, but like opioid crisis is another thing. Like, can we give them something natural that'll help? And that's kind of how we went down that path, started having those right conversations. And we took a really hard shift and that's where we're at now. And I think we found our home, we found our niche and, you know, quality matters, but also education, right? I think customer education at its core, doctors are busy people, holistic practitioners, whatever it may be, uh, busy folks that just want to understand the qualities there. So really told that seed to sale story a lot as we talk about it in terms of we're growing it, we're producing it, we're selling the end product. And 
taking it from there. But medical is there. And then pet is a whole different animal as well that we're approaching also. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. So it sounds like you guys just really look at all opportunities available, right? And you're sure. not afraid to chase after things. But as you've kind of gone through this process and found your niche, has it been difficult to pivot or has it been a pretty simple, hey, redesign, remarket, flip things yeah. around? Yeah, I think difficult to pivot from like an entrepreneurial nightmare of like, mm -hmm. hey, we built all this. We spent money over here on this side and saying we built all these assets. We've kind of geared up towards this. And it's been basically we know we have the right product, but everything else really needs to change. Outside of like that nightmare and losing sleep over that, it's been a good pivot because it's really been like, man, we should have done this from the start. And mm -hmm. this is a no brainer. And we found the right place. I don't know if I was ever super comfortable over the couple years lifespan of the business of what space we were playing in. Now I'm pretty comfortable. Now it's just about how do we scale it and how do we tell the right story to those folks, right? So I think we're comfortable in the medical space and have liked that shift because we've seen product move. We've seen the right conversations happen and we've seen happy customers, both on the business side, the B2B side and the consumer side come back to us and say, you know, you're in the right spot. So, so we spoke about this a little bit when you first showed up, how kind of crowded this space is becoming and you got people making things out of their garage and trying to make it through retail and distributors and all the power. And so you guys going around and developing this relationship with doctors who then end up getting to your end consumer and become repeat customers for you is really clever and helps you guys scale faster. Have you had any pushback from that community or has it been open with welcomed arms and make it as fast as we possibly can? Yeah, I would say not as much pushback as I thought we were initially going to have. I think, say I had 10 conversations initially with 10 different doctors. I think four or five of those were really like, hey, we need to see more research. We need to see more data on this. And that was probably, call it a year ago. I think the acceptance has changed drastically over the past year. And I think part of that is because patients are asking about it and they're utilizing it anyways. So, you know, as a doctor, it's like, hey, I can either say there needs to be more data around this and I need to have more information before I'm providing it to my patients, or I can conform to what's going on and the ever-changing world and say, this is a natural opportunity for relief. Patients are asking about it. Patients are saying it's going to work. And oh, by the way, on the other side of this is opioid crisis and everything else where all we asked for was data. We got the data and still look what happened, right? So I think that we've been welcomed. I think a lot of it too is like the funny old adage of like, 
yeah, no thanks. And I'm like, okay, try some for yourself. And if it's a no thanks, no thanks. Like that's the world we live in. That's okay. And it's typically call two, three weeks later. Hey, I used it on myself. I used it on my family. And this stuff really works. Like let's have lunch, right? Or let's grab a beer. Let's play golf and talk about this more. And that's been so much of what we do and like proof is in the pudding or whatever they say. So they've tried it and it's worked and that helps, right? So not even just on the opioid side, though, like NSAIDs, I probably ridiculously abused ibuprofen throughout college just to make it through Mm. all of our practices. And so it just destroys me now. I can't Mm -hmm. have it at all. And this is my testimonial you guys can put on the website. (laughs) I'll invoice you for this one. I've been using it for like 14 days and I've been sleeping better and everything. Like it's taken tons of just back pain and relaxation. So it's been awesome to not have to sit there and cough down Tylenol and ibuprofen. Yeah. And part of it is like, sure, do I have books and books of data in front of us and studies that say, like, we know how this works. No, we're actually launching some studies with ourselves, a local ortho group here in town, which is exciting on pain regions and all that stuff. So that'll really kind of solve that issue. But yeah, I mean, try it. It works. We talk a lot about like, you can't sample a fake hip. You can't sample like a $200 pair of like custom orthotics and things like that. And doctors are getting back to like, hey, try this out and see what works. And that's also kind of secret sauce for us as well, because we're like handed out to the masses and see what happens. My biggest challenge when I take it is to try to get it to absorb in my skin before my dog tries to lick it off my back. Cause that menthol <laughs> smell, like I know yeah. I gotta be very clear and I'm gonna word this, but it's like, she comes after me and she's addicted to it. And I'm yeah. like, dude, maybe I gotta get one that doesn't smell like yeah. this. Just get the pet product and you'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just rub toss, bacon, rub bacon toss, bits all yeah, over yeah. my back. Toss some uh, her way too. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. This conversation is going to go yeah. south quickly. We, so we'll, yeah, pivot. Yeah. we'll pivot. We'll pivot. So where do you see the biggest potential for growth going forward then? Well, you know, and one thing we haven't touched on a lot is the pet side of the business. And I think that's huge, right? So one thing to point out is like everybody during COVID went out and got a pet. Like the pet industry skyrocketed during that time where, you know, they got a pet. And now a lot of folks are like, wait a second, I'm going back to the office or like I'm not spending 23 and a half hours a day with this animal anymore. And like, that's what they're used to. And every time I leave, there's separation anxiety and thunder storms and whatever else is going on. So that question is coming into the equation a lot more for sure. So I think pet has tremendous opportunity. It's certainly a crowded space as well, but I think we've got a unique story about like, we've got dogs, we've got hunting labs. We love our pets and like big reason we got into that space as well that utilize it. So we can tell that story as well. And then I think the medical space though, I mean, is enormous. I think you're seeing a massive shift towards what they call kind of opioid sparing, non-surgical options and having the opportunity to kind of take a deep dive into that space, whether it's orthopedic, podiatry, chiropractic, this whole kind of line of holistic wellness, pain management clinics, there's plenty of opportunity out there to be had. Now it's just about as with every other startup and entrepreneur, it's kind of losing sleep over is like, how do you scale it? Right. Because to Josh's point, like we truly are going out and knocking on a lot of doors right now versus like having these massive distributor relationships. And we're open to that. But I think people also like a little bit of that, like talking directly to the source, especially when the industry is a little bit like everybody's trying to figure it out still. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So Corey, I think that's a good place to kind of pivot towards some of our last questions of the show. But uh, first one is always, do you have any advice for our listeners and our listeners out there, young professionals, entrepreneurs, folks who live in Columbus who want to know what's going on in Columbus, people who are starting businesses, doing things like that. So yeah, I saw this question. I was thinking about this on the way over. And, you know, I think a lot of people always say like, do something you love. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like so easy and cliche. And like, I'll tell you, I do a lot of things every day that I don't love. (laughs) That being said, I think what I would say is a big piece of advice is like find the impact, 
for others and like what you're doing. And I realized that every day of like, never really had the mission to start this because I wanted to help Sally, the orthopedic patient, the rheumatoid arthritis patient, be able to get up and like walk and like hang out with their kids. But now as you look at it, like that's the impact we're having on people. And I think you can find that impact, like regardless of what you do mm-hmm. and how you're like changing people's lives. So I think like that's really what can help you tick versus like, am I doing something I love? Like a lot of the times I'm not right. But I think the mission as a whole certainly is. And then I'm 35 or about to be 35 and have never really realized the value of family till now. I think number one, wouldn't be doing or wouldn't have the opportunity to do what I'm doing now without kind of the family core Mm -hmm. that I have. And, you know, Kelly, we haven't talked much about her, but like, she's the reason I'm sitting here right now because she's with the kids, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like she's the one that talks you off the ledge at home every night when so many frustrations and so many things going on. So like having that base and having that core, whether it's family, a friend, a mentor, whatever it is, like you've got to have that person in this space because you will like go crazy, right? I think there's a lot of talk about mental health and other types of things in entrepreneurship right now. And I always kind of thought like, oh, whatever, like, you know, just power through it. You're good. Just be tough. But like more than ever, you see that now. And I think that's important. Yeah. The classic athlete line, shake it off, dust it off, you know, don't worry about it, bury it. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't always work though. Yeah. You can only bury it for so long. Right. right? I think that's with everything. That's really my main advice. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, Corey, our last question of the show centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase for a show about entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to live uncomfortably to get to the right place, right? I think talking about just now the things that you don't want to do, I've realized that like I've got to probably spend 70% of the time doing what I don't want to do right now on the business side as we build it and 30% of what I want to do, obviously with the goal of that flip-flopping at some point, but managing people is extremely difficult. That's uncomfortable, especially in the world we live in now and managing different personalities and things like that. And yeah, just finding out like digging the hole and kind of analyzing yourself and judging yourself and kind of grading yourself at the end of each day. And that's really, really hard to do and really uncomfortable, but so important. Corey, it's been great talking to you. Appreciate you coming on, telling your story and talking more about Moda CBD. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Been and uh, Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. You enjoyed that episode. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You'll get this podcast every week on whatever app you are listening on. We appreciate your support so much and we'll talk to you next week. 